You're listening. No. You're listening to the Buns.com Podcast Network. (laughs) (laughs) Buns, Buns, Buns. I want to give you something real, but I don't know where to start. Darling, let's make a deal. I want to give you my heart. I would trade anything for love. Hey, guys. Recording from my car again because I only go to and from work. Apologies for the bad intro recording, but the rest of the show will be great. Um, interview this week is with Lee from Sifu Foods slash One Hop Kitchen. Uh, fitting that I will be consuming insects in this interview on Halloween. How's Halloween going? How are your costumes, guys? I hope that I'm going to see you tonight at uh, the Bunzoween celebration at the Gladstone Hotel, if you were listening to this today, and if not, uh, I hope you had a good time there. Um, I am the driver from Drive, so come find me. Anyway, time for This Week in Buns. Buns! Oh, we are here. It's me, yes, of we course. Are. It's Oren. It's Laura. And we got a very, very special guest. We got... Oh, well, my, my mother always said I was special. Yes, we're not... Your mom isn't here. Your, People, mom, your mom is not here. I've, I've been known to go by other names, uh, but <laughs> oh God, currently... Oh, God. one, please. Yeah, what's some of the nicknames the, the, you have? No, no. The, the, the name my mother gave me is Stephen Michael Such. Stephen Michael Such. Oh, Stephen Michael Such, we should mention... That you are from a podcast called 2084, a podcast about sustainability. Give yeah, us, totally. Give us like a 30-second rundown on, on everything you do. Not 2048. No, 2084. It's there a nod to Orwell's 1984, but instead of the dystopian dynamic, what does designing tomorrow look like, creating a sustainable future for all, as told by the people building it today? So the full name is technically Sustainable Joe's 2084, and the idea behind Sustainable Joe's is to simplify sustainability for all everyday Joes and Janes of the world, so we like to say we create content and products to simplify sustainability for you and you. Amazing. That sounds like you've said it a thousand times and I love it. Can we also say that we're in the Steam Whistle brewery right now? Steam Drinking whistle? some brews. Ah, so yeah. real. Thank you, Steam Whistle. Steam Whistle supports, supports 2084. So we actually, just for all, all of you in podcast listening land, uh, recorded with Orn and Laura Lee. We did a sustainability fact or fiction. Mm-hmm. Amazing. It was so Amazing. fun. You got to check it out on, uh, where can we find it? Well, you can find uh, 2084 wherever you get your podcast. It's also hosted the same place where, where the ISO podcast is hosted, i.e. Buns, the Buns, the, the buns, yeah. buns, buns, buns. Podcast.buns.com. So you, you don't know much about what we do, but this is amazing. So every week in Buns, you know that Buns? I mean, I know that you're awesome. <laughs> and that's pretty all you need to know. Ooh, stop turning me on. Oh <laughs> <laughs> wow, wow. So your podcast has a, a markedly different tone than my 1, podcast. 1,000%. We, we're getting naked right we're now. Silly, yeah. Silly yeah. You know, I, I had the treasurer of the Democratic National Committee. He did not do... <laughs> no, no, he did not. He did not come on to you, is what you're saying? 
I, was, is that you coming on to me? I think it is. Because I, I wasn't really turned on, just to be clear. I mean, you are a beautiful man. That's fair. We, are, we will warm up. From a third oh. party um, viewing on this, yes. that's what it looked like. Okay. Um, we got we, the CN Tower behind us. I know it's magic. Well, what, what do you think? You know, if you had to pick a part of the human body that the CN Tower would, you know, represent. The esophagus. Moving on. Um, <laughs> totally the esophagus. Well played, sir. Well played. Um, I was going to go with the femur. The femur. Oh, that's brilliant. I was going to go with the dick. Jesus Christ, Laura. It's a wow. family podcast. Wow. Wow. You fucking crazy? Wow. wow. And an oh F-bomb. God. And an F-bomb. Um, so we talked about the best stories from this week in Buns. Uh, from all the Buns trading zone. I don't know if you know this. There's not just Buns trading zone. There's Buns helping zone. Oh Buns oh, bike totally, zone. Totally. Buns pet zone. Buns king zone. There's a lot of things to go over. And finding, well, a, finding a job. There's fi- a job oh, zone. Job zone. Housing there. zone. Housing zone. So we bring those Ride stories chair. to you. I may or may not else. have had Sasha Darius Maj Tehedi, the CEO of Buns on, on 2084. Oh. Yeah. It was, he was, he uh, and Jimmy Chu were in our first live event. Jimmy Choo? Like Jimmy Choo, the CEO of Nanoleaf, talking about the future of lighting. Whoa, whoa, Amazing. whoa. You, I thought you were talking about Jimmy Choo, the shoe maker. <laughs> oh, yeah. And designer. Oh, hashtag red bottoms. Yeah, uh, that's... No, th- that's, that's Louboutins! Are they? Yeah, Christian I Louboutin. thought those were... Oh. Uh, true like story. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Zara, I was just making yeah, sure you guys knew what I... Uh, you know, of like. course, of course. <laughs> um, so let's, uh, let's dive right into it 10 minutes later. Um, <laughs> Technically, four minutes and three seconds. <laughs> one, of us, one of us is sitting in front of the recording device. <laughs> um, I can't swim, so I don't really dive into much. You can't swim? You can't swim? No. I'm a lifeguard on my go. side life. And as a white guy, that's like uplifting wow. to every black person listening to this podcast okay. right now. It just got racial. This I don't know crazy. I don't know what race has to do with any of it. Oh, but. you don't know. It's like, oh my God. So this is like part, part stereotype, part like realness. A lot of black people in black community don't swim most because really? they're not located around swimming pools. But that's, that's for, of course. Okay. My mom made that uh, abundantly clear when we were younger. You must. Must swim. swim. Okay. It's um, a very important life skill. So let's talk about this one. We're going to a bit of a downer because we've started off so hot right now, which is amazing. Okay. Um, what are we doing, by the way? Uh, so we're, I'm going to tell you a story and okay. get your reaction to it. So uh, Sarah Muncy, stolen white Mercedes bicycle in Leslieville. Let me see if you see this bike. Basically, she said, my, my little sister's bike was stolen off our second floor patio sometime in the past 24 hours. There were only 20 of these bikes in Ontario. So if you think you've seen it, chances are it's her bike. Please let me know. And she's like, I can trade practically anything. ISO, practically anything. Oh, man. And I'm going to put this to you guys right now. Think about the bike stealing skills on someone to steal it off a second floor patio. Yeah. That is. Wow. No stairs attached? I, honestly, I don't know the, I don't know the, the layout. layout. What of, about strings? Were there any strings attached? <laughs> <laughs> all, all I'm saying is, first of all, the, they posted a picture of the bike. The bike is stunning. Yeah. Did you say it was a Mercedes bike? So Mercedes-made bike. Once again, we're in a different bracket of tax yeah. at the moment. Yeah. We don't I was going to say my bike's bikes. named Blue Lightning because I've had two bikes stolen. My first one that got stolen was a beautiful. It was a old Trek um, hardtail completely carbon fiber racing frame for those people who like cycle i also cycled across the continent in year two of sustainable joe's amazing so the idea was to get people rethinking their practices when it comes to sustainability yeah yeah a lot a lot of think time out uh, you know cycling from the open road across across the continent you better believe it anywho my first bike got stolen so i got huge sympathy for anybody who's got a bike stolen it's so real but what's great is there's only 20 of these bikes and yeah this bike i I can't imagine someone not finding this bike, especially when it gets to the post and everything else. So I think we're doing nothing but wishing them the best of luck. Oh my gosh, thank goodness. 
All right, as we all know, Halloween is coming up. I'm sorry. Can you say that again? I'm sorry. I didn't hear you. I'm sorry. What are you sorry for? Canadians apologize too much. Yeah, I thought you had a stroke. Excuse me? Excuse me? May have been more apropos. is coming up. We got that spooky flea market business that we'll talk about later, but there's some amazing trades happening in terms of the costume. When is this podcast getting released, by the way? Like, unless it's getting, oh, it's getting released tomorrow. Oh, wow. Okay, that makes more sense. I was like, unless this podcast is getting released in the next you know three yeah, and a half hours which it will, yeah. be. <laughs> which it will be we're pretty at quick turnaround over here yeah quick turnaround anyways we got one that really caught my attention a literal full Jura- uh, jurassic park no a t-rex costume this man spent a full hundred dollars on this and he wants a gift card but man this t-rex it's a full big head and he's got a little pumpkin jack-o-lantern um and how much is he asking for? He's asking for $45 worth of gift cards. I think 45 from 100 is the perfect markdown yeah. for any resale value of anything. Okay, yeah. so here's what I got to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't like when people on buns ask for gift cards. Trash. Because yeah. you're, Trash. Just, you're asking for money. Yeah. Like, it, it defeats the purpose of buns to me, yeah. and it actually frustrates me. Because oh, I'm like, no, it does. does. Well, you, like you, I mean, it, you're, you are pretty angry. You're heated up right now. I it, see flames. I don't know if that's a samosa you're eating right now with the so tamarind sauce. So to be clear, I'm eating that, a samosa okay. because we've just recorded <laughs> three episodes of 2084, and Steve Muscle's like, dope ass place. Boardroom. What is this called? Boardroom. Yes. Overlooking, you know, the CN Tower, and I guess underlooking the CN Tower in the Rogers Center. Oh, Regardless, a gift card is the equivalent of money. Yeah. yeah. So, like. I feel like Bun should eliminate gift cards. Okay, so so that's a that's a hot take. That's hella hot. Here is here is the combatant to that. Ooh. If we are going to maybe say, counter argument. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I'm combative AF. Combat. Uh, um, I, I I think what we have to sort of maybe get back to in general is that everything in this world, as much as we want to think about it or not, has some sort of inherent value to it, mm-hmm. and it's up to the market. From, for the most part, I hope to God the market to figure out what that cost is. Um, and so whether or not it is a gift card that gives you the inherent value of what it actually is, or if it is something that's more sentimental to you, there's always a value attached to it. So if somebody wants a gift card, I hate, uh, honestly, I do hate it. But if, if, if Buns is all about value for value and trade for trade, I can see how that fits into it. I get it. I get I'm not it saying well. I don't get it. I, yeah, I, I just, I guess I'm not as, you were really passionate about it. Hey, so I, I got a $45 Longo's <laughs> gift card lying around in my room. Maybe I won't well, be T-Rex for all Halloween. All I'm saying is yeah, it's yeah. like, it's like if we're trying to eliminate money, yeah. then yeah. a gift card doesn't eliminate money. Yeah. It doesn't actually prevent somebody from, like if the purpose, like Sasha said, mm-hmm. and I mean, I agree, like, and don't get me wrong, the, the sentiment and the, the yeah, yeah. ethos behind buns is beautiful and yeah. I fully support it. And, and, at, you. and at the same time, gift cards are the equivalent of cash. Yeah. So if somebody just wants a gift card to go buy more stuff, it's it it, yeah. it has a s- strong it has a strong contrast to what I feel the ethos of yeah. Buns is yeah. and that the ethos Sasha reflected in in his podcast on yeah. 2084. Shameless yeah. plug. Yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I, I need to say I'm far more on your side than I am on my shitty argument side. It doesn't have I, to be a side thing. I'm just stop saying. making it a side thing. <laughs> Jeez. 
calm down, man. Just gonna do a podcast. <laughs> oh, now I feel. Now I feel <laughs> bad. Are you guys gonna go fight in the corner? No, we're gonna uh, hug. We're gonna hug. No, I kind of want to see if I. I bet that uh, Steven will win. I'm, I'm not win. a fighter, so one thousand percent. I was gonna say, do I seem yeah, like a fighter? Absolutely not. You seem like the most wonderful person. I, just, I know. Found on the podcast. I just want to hug. You can take my job at this point. Hardly. <laughs> you guys are gonna come on Sustainable Joe's. We're gonna do once a month, just fact or fiction, because oh, it was so much fun. Oh, I'm in. I'm in. It was actually a ton of fun. Especially if there's all these brews involved. I'm down. Thank you, Steam Whistle. Steam Whistle. You ready for this one? I am. So uh, Dylan Tendali, he says, get your plants. Uh, And he has these really lovely plants that he's selling. And plants, you have to know, are one of the biggest things with with buns. Uh, Plants, pets, succulents go for, I mean, they're hella popular. But the reason I bring up this post is... It is, it's nothing crazy. The, po- the It looks really nice. The best part about this, this needs to be on an FAQ about how to get your things popular on buns. Oh, if, really? if your shit don't look good, yeah. no one is going to buy it. Get yeah. good lighting, put it in a spot you know you take good lightings. You, you need to have the same detail you have with this that people have with taking selfies. You need to make sure you get it. Make sure it's it's perfect. Look at those photos, they're perfect. First off, the, the pictures are gorgeous. Incredible. Let it be known, this is actually what the transition point was for Airbnb. Oh, really? Yeah, in the beginning, people were just posting like, you know, they walk into this dimly lit room and they post this picture. The moment, so they noticed that the biggest amount of uptake for Airbnb people were in New York. So they flew across the continent, the founders of Airbnb, and they, they got a professional photographer. They took really good pictures. All of a sudden, boom. No way. The counter argument is when people put the best pictures of themselves on Tinder. Yeah. And then, you know, you go meet them. And it's like, <laughs> this is not what you look like in your pictures. Oh, man. Ooh. Oh, I have a I think, I think there's a whole other conversation about Tinder pics. Yeah. Oh, my God. I have a freaking tale to tell you about that one. Wait, are you? All I'm saying is be honest. That's all I'm asking. Yeah. Like, I don't need a picture of you from like three years ago. Mm. Yeah. Like, I think people should just be able to post like the last three months within 90 days. I met up with this guy that it was just like his, and I'm not very, I'm like not very socially inept in terms of like how to go on like social media and properly creep someone, which is weird. But anyways, that's not like really what I am good at. And this literal guy I met up with, his like face was fine. But goddamn, I met up with him, and he was half my size and half my height. So he was like this little shrimpy man, and I was like, you know what? We're just wow. gonna have a nice wow. walk around. As he a guy who's as a guy who's five nine and like a buck sixty five over here. This man was wow. li- literally half my height and <laughs> half my size, standing beside hey. each other. It looked like I could literally swallow him. It was like not a good situation. Um. Are we are we gonna know, are, we, are we gonna sense. are we gonna are we gonna talk about what we just said? I know, are we gonna, I know. I used we gonna, the water. No, 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 I no, no. Said no. Eat, mm. But I didn't. I said swallow, uh, and I shouldn't have said it. Jeez, that's the kind of language you're gonna put onto this family podcast I know, again. I know. I, I cannot. Really not I absolutely cannot <laughs> fucking believe you. All right, I got a really great thing right here that I thought it was a little gun, but turns out it's a bike bell. So Avant is trading his vintage Ghostbuster. Ito One Bike Siren. It's a toy that came with the McDonald's kids' meals in the 80s, and the bike siren still works. So what's a bike siren, first of all? Does it go... It it, it basically does that. It's a wind-up... 
This is so sometimes we know this. Yeah. I'm eight years your senior? Nine. Nine years senior. Um, there's sometimes we have a bit of a generational thing between us. Yes. Um, obviously, I love the Spice Girls. You don't know who they are. I do. No, 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 you don't. Did you um, see my Backstreet Boys poster is a bad thing? Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. Um, so this siren was in the 80s. Um, I love Ghostbusters. Yeah, and so this... The original flick is my much Amazing. So it's actually amazing this thing still exists. You put on your bike, instead of having a bike bell, you just kind of crank it, and it makes like a, like, wee, wee sound yeah and it was hella popular really? i remember like all the bikes growing up when i was a kid all had them on them yeah wow yeah it's amazing and that and that got some hella likes it was like 33 likes when we yeah. when i saw it yeah that's I hot wonder, uh, i wonder who got it yeah um I'm sure we'll see it on the streets i know i know you know this one this could be one oh, of the yeah. hottest costumes of all time for halloween especially since you love it so much too it was iso arose to complete a costume do you know what costume he was trying to complete oh. arose to it, complete a costume was it, he a tango dancer oh no and no, nor he, and he also wasn't seal <laughs> <laughs> it's uh yo it's to complete the sailor moon tuxedo Seal mask, mask. Yo. Is that you? if you're wondering why the first time you met me i had a beard I have not shaved my beard in over a year yeah. until Saturday. So we should wow. let you know what's happening. We're seeing a picture right now of Steven dressed up as a Mountie for Halloween. And I shaved my beard on Saturday. Damn, boy. Into a mustache. Damn. And then I very, very quickly, Sunday morning, shaved my mustache off. Damn. So you don't I, like the stash, eh? But if anybody would like to see what that looks like, go to, <laughs> go to Via Steven with a PH. <laughs> Definitely. And, and you can see that. You That's can actually see so both. Yo, that's Funny. hot. Yo, you look good, man. Yeah, you do look good. Look at you, you little Mountie, you. <laughs> yeah, you would say little Mountie. Uh, discriminating against us, us, you know. Stop being sizest on this podcast. Sorry, you guys, know. Twice, you definitely did. Um, we have a, a love, probably a lovely story to even almost finish on, but um, about this about the cat? Yeah, the kitty. Sweet little kitty. As a, so it said uh, last Lost our ace, lost our cat ace last night. Uh, he's been gone for 24 hours now. He's six months old, but he looks fully brown, go, uh, fully grown. Basically, this woman, Azra, lost his cat. This cat looks hella adorable. I know this is the cutest little thing, especially the pick in the bookshelf. Damn. Oh, so play with my heart. So cute. So it's like really, really, yeah, tough. You saw it at 14 hours, so the post has been up there for a while. Yeah. I checked back on this. We got an update. Oh. Thanks to the Buns community. Anna notified her. Sent, she saw this cat running around, picked it up, and now they're going to pick up the cat next, uh, tomorrow. Whatever Aww. it is. They found this beauty. And this cat is hella photogenic. Y yeah. This it is, literally is. This is, an, this is the pride of Instagram at the moment. And this is, this is a really, really nice cat. Yeah, I'm so glad it got found. Because when I saw it, I was like, I hope this little kitty finds its home. Nothing worse than losing a pet. Absolutely <laughs> not. Absolutely not. And it's it's great that we can sort of bring these, that we can bring these uh, wonderful stories here. Um, we got to give one hell of a shout out to you, Stephen. Yeah. Stephen Such, uh, making this podcast fun, not only with your voice, but with the libation. Steam Whistle is killing it right now. Yeah. Thank you, Steam Whistle. Yeah, this is beautiful. Um, you and thank you, Bonds, for both of your support in, uh, in uh, of the Sustainable Joe's thank 2084 you. podcast. Yeah. We, are, we will bring you back those hot takes, Sun Bun. Likewise. Fire. We're going to do facts or, fact or fiction. Ooh, Maybe once a month. It, yeah, yeah. it, it could be fun. 
Love it. So uh, we're It was on. fun. And we'll definitely, I mean, we'll see you guys soon in podcast land. We'll see you, Stephen, uh, in a bit. And we'll Bless. see you for the spooky uh, swap meet on Halloween night. That's 31st, tomorrow. 31st, Gladstone Hotel, uh, 8 to 12. Bring your things to trade and check out the event on Facebook. Boom. Halloween, wee, 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 too much shit in your apartment? Get rid of it today on the Buns app. Available in the App Store, Google Play Store, or online at buns.com. Like I said at the top of the show, the interview this week is with Lee from Sifu Food slash One Hop Kitchen. Uh, we talk alternative proteins, and for those who don't know what that is, it's insects. Not only do we talk about it, but I get to sample some of his finest insects. If you are curious what insects are like, I would listen to this interview. Uh, you might be pleasantly surprised. It's not as spooky as it may seem. All right, here we go. Okay. Hey, Buns. Welcome to ISO, the Buns podcast. Uh, you know what? I'll let you introduce yourself because I think you know your credentials better than I could possibly know your credentials. So go for it. Sure. Uh, thanks. Um, I'm Lee Kadesky. I'm the co-founder and COO of uh, the ingredient company Seafood Foods and uh, the pasta sauce company One Hop Kitchen. Uh, I'm a food scientist and I make food out of bugs. Yeah, I think that's the... Uh, you buried the lead a little bit there because it... <laughs> For a lot of people, it was probably sounding, you know, uh, it was a little bit of a rope-a-dope. <laughs> so uh, you make food out of bugs. Uh, yeah. So I, um, I'm a food scientist, and I'm really interested in how we uh, can use insect protein to make uh, sustainable ingredients and products, um, you know, that will be important to the world now and into the future. Um, and in particular, I'm interested in how we can turn insects and their proteins into different kind of textures, mm -hmm. um, and especially meat alternatives. Amazing. Okay, before we get there, because I want to talk so much about this, because I'm so curious. I've never had an insect before, knowingly. Um, but before we get there, uh, let's talk a little bit about you and your background. Where did you kind of grow up? Where did, uh, you know, how did you get into the insect thing before that even? like So yeah, let's start with where, where you grew up. Uh, so I grew up in good old Thornhill. Okay, so, um, so not Torontonian. too far, local enough, um, and uh, I didn't eat bugs when I grew up. I was raised uh, kosher in a kosher home. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I went to university, I guess, moved out, mm -hmm. um, started eating other things. Not really a lot of bugs, but I uh, ended up actually doing a degree in aerospace engineering. Um, Whoa. And used to, before I was in food, I used to buy airplane parts. Okay. Um, and negotiate contracts and then got really interested in food for a bunch of reasons. So, yeah. So how, um, how does one go from aerospace to food? And obviously, I don't think you start when you get into food, you're like bugs, right? So it starts somewhere <laughs> else. Uh, but how does one go from aerospace to uh, to food? So for me, it was really just interest. Um, I just started like watching TV programs. Food was really interesting. In particular, what what got me is uh, a cooking technology called sous vide. I was gonna say it, it yeah. must have been something technology based it, because that seems like a pretty good gap between 
um, aerospace and food, but yeah, sous vide. So like, yeah. what boiling things? Yeah. So the sous vide is when you you take food, you vacuum seal it in a plastic bag, and you basically leave it in a big tub of water at a constant temperature. You can cook food for days. Right. Um, and it's like it's idiot proof, and the results are amazing. Um, and I just thought this was so cool and just couldn't understand like why this wasn't being done everywhere. Yeah. It's still kind of not being done everywhere. It, it's still not. Um, and there's still, I think a huge potential to sous vide, but people have this idea that they don't want their food cooked in large giant vats and right. then shipped to them all over the world. Um, which is fair. But Should I get a home machine and try it? I've been so tempted. It, it's so worth it. Yeah. Um, I can't, I cannot evangelize sous vide cooking enough. Yeah. And you don't need a fancy machine. You can buy one. You can buy a, a little, I have a thermostat controller. It's not precise, but it does the job and it right. costs 50 bucks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, the one that I saw is like something that like just clips onto an existing pot yeah. that you have. and Those those are amazing, but you can buy way cheaper ones and they work almost as good. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, I basically, I, I got really into sous vide. I started like building my own little sous vide rigs. And then at some point was just like, well, you know, might as well try and make a career out of this. Mm-hmm. So I applied to a bunch of grad schools to do a master's in food science. I got rejected from every single one of them except Cornell, um, which worked out fine. But I feel like and that's not such a bad one. To, it wasn't, to it wasn't so bad. Um, and, uh, and Cornell was a great school, um, and they've been like just beyond good to me ever right. since. Um, so I got to hang out there for, for two years and do research in what I would describe as very experimental cheese making. Um, so, Whoa. Okay. Hold so, on. Yeah. Let, let, what's that? What's that so all I, about? I, I did a project and published a paper and thesis about um, what happens to milk proteins if you subject them to 4,000 times atmospheric pressure and then try and make cheese out of them. And what happened? <laughs> to be honest, nothing that is interesting to anyone except an esoteric dairy scientist. Okay. It's like you make the, the short answer is you make slightly different cheese. Uh, okay. Um, yeah. That that's about it. So we took some really cool pictures of milk proteins, and there's some fun stuff there. And if you're really into dairy chemistry, there's really awesome stuff there. Yeah. But uh, I don't know if that's your audience. <laughs> okay, so you go from sous vide to cheese, and I imagine something in the cheese and the proteins attracts you to insects. Yeah. So I mean, the the big thing for me with bugs, I think I a lot of people were talking about edible bugs. It was a hot topic in food science for a while. And right. It pops up every few years. Yeah. yeah. Um, in 2013, the UN published this report. Um, uh, edible insects, uh, future prospects for food and feed security, and it was really big. It was downloaded like a million times. Yeah, I remember hearing there. about uh, hearing about this and like how it relates to sustainability, and it's going to be like the the farms of the future and all this stuff. Yeah. yeah. So they were, you know, the the UN was really evangelizing this idea, um, and I, you know, I'd seen it, and the challenge that I saw was just there were when you looked at the product landscape for edible insects, and you looked at the way people ate edible insects. Um, all the rhetoric was comparing bugs to meat, right. but none of the products were. Um, so there seemed to be a huge gap, right, where you had all these products that were like protein bars and like shakes or even like whole roasted bugs. Yeah. And they were talking about how they've got, you know, they're better than a steak, they're better than a steak, but it didn't seem to affect how many steaks you ate. Right. Um, and so I had written a paper a little while ago about surimi, um, which is sort of a catch-all term for fish cakes and restructured fish products, which are massive, massive, and like if if you've been to Japan, you see fish cake everywhere. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, and the, I'd learned a little bit about the history of it. And um, these products had really developed in the early 20th century when Japanese fishing communities switched from pole and line fishing to using big nets. Mm-hmm. And when you start using trawling nets, you start to pick up a lot of bycatch. So basically, they had this problem, this piles of rotting fish sitting at their doorstep that nobody wanted to eat despite being perfectly good because it's 
little small, little smelly, little ugly. It's not what your mom used to cook. Right. Um, the way I figured was, well, bugs are basically just really, really ugly fish. Um, so maybe we can take that same idea of how you take this ugly fish and turn it into something like a crab stick that, you know, could be anything, but it just tastes good and you know how to use it. Yeah. Maybe we can apply that same idea over to bugs. Um, so I'd had this idea for a little while at the same time, a friend of mine, um, she had just done a, a competition that was looking for innovations in food security and she was now an ambassador for them looking for people to sign up the next year she was encouraging me to come sign up and so i sort of pitched this idea to some people said whoever wants to sort of get on this project we'll we'll see what we can do and uh in 2014 we started messing around and went to a pet store basically one day right when they opened and said i want to buy all your crickets and mealworms right right um the guy wouldn't sell me all of them because he said if he did all of his the lizard customers that depend on him would die and then he wouldn't have anyone to sell them to next week um but uh, he sold me a handful of them and uh i went and started processing them. we started looking at how we can structure them into things like tofu or fish cake right and uh we came up with a process and that's how it well okay so let's be real here for a second right because um it's still a foreign idea i mean in asia it's a little bit different right but here it's definitely a foreign idea for people to be consuming insects what was going through your head before the first time you tried an insect were you were you hesitant were you uh, a little bit? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I, I definitely had. Like now, it's it's like nothing. Right. Um. And now it's it's weird because we we do when we go out in front of customers and people are like, "Ooh, bugs!" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, people feel that way." Yeah. Um. But when I started out, like, yeah, it kind of weirded me out a little bit. Um. When I mean, the biggest thing for me, honestly, when we started was just that we kept the bugs live. We used to keep live colonies so we could experiment on them and see how they would, you know, we could change their flavor and all these kinds of things. And right harvesting them when they're still alive is a bit uh, unnerving you don't get you gotta get used to it yeah um but uh i i had a rule for one with my team and you know with myself was just that you know if, if you're gonna work on this team with me um you can't not eat it it doesn't matter if it like smells gross like you can you can eat a tiny tiny piece doesn't matter but like, right. you can't turn around and say this is too gross i'm not eating it um, well, you I mean they got to stand behind the product exactly, yeah. and 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 we're not going to find out what tastes good without tasting what tastes gross, right? Um, and we used to do like we used to have potlucks. So when we when we started this, we actually worked with a different bug called uh, Superworm. We used to literally buy them live on Amazon and have them shipped to our door. Whoa! Um, and uh, Superworms, we we worked with them. We made our first prototypes out of them for a month. We worked with them. They tasted like paint. Uh, and we had, no, we had no idea why. We yeah. tried everything. And we used to have potlucks with them. We said, like, well, they taste like paint. Like, maybe if we just season them right. So, you know, we'd go in and we'd, we'd make the the sort of the textured insect protein from from these guys, this kind of bug tofu. Mm-hmm. It would taste like paint. We'd cut it in three. Everybody would take some home. And then the next night, we'd meet at my place. This is like Iron Chef style. It, it was exactly that. And we'd everybody, the rule was, like, you have to bring at least three dishes. Yeah. And everybody has to try everything. And we ate paint on rice, paint on curry. You know, like pickled paint, paint pudding. Ooh, curry is a good it. one because I feel like that's generally an overpowering. It, it wasn't enough. <laughs> um, it just turns out that bug tastes like paint. Yeah, that's that's what we found out afterwards. You know, and that's that's what we've discovered as we've you know sort of rolled through this is, um, it's it's a huge huge variety. Insects aren't a monolith. They're like anything else. Um, 
and they have different flavors. Some of them are great. Some of them aren't. Yeah, you were um, saying off mic earlier that you have a, a some sort of beetle that tastes like uh, apples. Or yeah, something? yeah, yeah. Mangdana is this Thai uh, Thai water bug. Tastes like uh, green apples. Um, Whoa. Just the males. Um, but there's, there's some funky. There's another bug we've worked with. I have some in the freezer in the back. They're very expensive, but they taste like uh, scrambled eggs. What? Um, and crickets, if you process Amazing. them the right way and you get the right cricket, you can actually bring out some shrimpy flavors in them. Okay. Um, mealworms can be a little cheesy. Um, it varies a lot. And, yeah. and even still, um, you know, the quality of bugs can vary from farm to farm. Yeah. Um, you know, depending on what they're fed, fed how they're raised. Um, getting back to your earlier question, though, before, just personally, when, I, when we started this out, um, one thing I did just to get myself comfortable with it, I used to cook just to, when it stopped tasting like paint. I used to cook just a small bit of our protein. And I put it in all my meals. Yeah. Um, not enough to taste it, you know, not enough to like notice it was there. We couldn't make that much, to be honest. It was, it was hard to make, mm -hmm. um, but enough that I knew it was there so I could get comfortable with the idea of eating bugs. Right. Um, and that helped me a lot. And just, you know, I think, you know, we talk about in the industry, it, it's somewhere between three and seven positive exposures is what it takes to normalize an experience. Okay. Um, okay. So it's not that much. Yeah. Yeah. What was your first experience like though? My first experience actually was before that. It was, um, I was on a road trip with some friends. Uh, this was in the summer of 2014. Um, we drove from San Francisco up to Seattle. And I think it was in Seattle, we, uh, we went to some Mexican bar and they had chapulinas, which are dry roasted grasshoppers with just chili and lime. Yeah. And they were two bucks on the menu. So we were like, Let's try them. We've all like no one. No one voiced any opposition. One uh, one guy was vegan. We were traveling with, and he wasn't into it, but he was totally fine. Yeah. Um. And uh, they were really good. Like they they went great with a beer. They were salty. They were crunchy. And yeah. to be honest, personally, like one of my favorite ways to eat bugs is just whole and roasted. I think they're really nice and crispy that way. When I was in Japan, um, we went to a bowling alley, and there was like a bunch of punishments for the loser of the match okay and one of them was a giant like a huge I, I assume it was a cricket it looked like a cricket like this thing like this big yeah uh you had to eat it did it have big like sort of spiny legs yes so i so when i was in japan a little while ago um uh the second day i was there we actually went to a bug cooking lunch okay that was the most like easily like I, and i've done a lot of bug stuff i'm very comfortable around bugs yeah um this was crazy um, and we had those, I think those giant grasshoppers are actually yeah. pretty nice. Yeah. Um, well, so, <laughs> I mean, I, that's kind of what's prompted me to not, I shouldn't be say be less hesitant cause I'm not afraid to try anything, but like I, I'm more at ease now because uh, the person who had it was like, okay, well I kind of felt the legs like mm -hmm. in my throat, but the rest of it was like fine. It's yeah. just fine. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, no, and and look, it, it's what I, I always try and get across with bugs is, is just trying to explain to people that they are they are literally like everything else. Um, there are good ones and there are bad ones, and yeah. you can take a good one and you can screw it up and make it bad. Sure, you know, and you can take a good one and you can make it great. Um, it, it's just like anything else. Our our whole interest here is you know more than anything is trying to figure out how we build the texture mm -hmm. into that equation too. Yeah, I think that's. An, an important bit and I, I, I feel like 99% of the time if done right if you served it to somebody and they didn't know it was an insect they'd probably just be like this is amazing yeah right yeah. what is this just like ah, don't worry about it no for sure and and I think it's it's worth noting too that you know when it comes to when it comes to most of our food like the, there's a case to be made I think that that most of our food and agriculture is kind of disgusting yeah um I mean, uh, you know, like we, we eat and consume a lot of foods that, you know, whether they're plant or animal based, mm -hmm. you know, they're, 
they're they're grown in dirty soil and you know come to it the, the world is not a perfect shiny place yeah and you hear like pink slime when it comes to meat yeah. and all this all this weird stuff i think it's just like the idea that insects themselves kind of look like alien intruders people yeah. are just like i don't know but you know whatever but i mean so do shrimp yeah well <laughs> that's funny that you mentioned that because on the way here i was thinking to myself it's just like they're like insects of the sea, you know what yeah. I mean? Shrimp and like lobster even is kind of uh, like the a lobster's weird... the cockroach of the sea. Yeah. Um, we always say cricket is the shrimp of the sky. Yeah. I like that. I like that. So, okay, let's talk about more specifically some of the stuff that you you produce. Um, no, so we, we have, we, we make it kind of confusing, but we actually have two companies. Okay. Um, so we have, uh, our first company is a company called Sifu Foods. Um it was originally the C was for cricket. The foo was for tofu curd, yep. bean curd. Um, so it was a cricket curd um, because that was the ingredient we made. It's kind of like tofu, but it's it's from bugs. Um, seafood foods we created really just to do wholesale ingredient supply um, and uh, and technology development around edible insects. So so with seafood foods we do you know you won't you, we're just in the background. We'll do uh, we'll manufacture ingredients for other companies that are looking to make insect products. Yeah, and we'll also do like experimental stuff. So like um, we'll we'll make egg dairy and egg free cookies using using insect protein to replace eggs. Whoa. We will we can blend insects with meat to make like fifty fifty blended burgers or different things like we will do ice cream made with insects whoa you know whatever whatever you can dream ice of cream. yeah um okay whatever you can dream of seafood foods is trying to make that happen yeah i um, mean showcase just sort of bizarre and 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 unthought of applications for edible insects we also work on um making insects uh versions of insects that will dissolve in water um, so for the particular reason of trying to create beverages that, yeah. create, that include well, insect protein. Well, it, yeah, it, immediately my head went to, I don't understand why the supplement business isn't yeah. in insects because I feel like that's the most like innocuous place for this stuff to exist. And, it, and it's happening. Um, one of the big challenges is that insects don't dissolve in water. Mm. Um, so it's, it's a big technical challenge. And when you think about protein, I mean, you drink People drink protein, yeah. Um, but we haven't seen a lot of beverages with insects on the market because the the ingredient technology hasn't been there. Whereas most other proteins will actually dissolve, yeah. Um, so I mean, our our goal with seafood foods is really to look at how do we solve the technical challenges that keep industry from using insects in products. Right, that makes perfect um, sense. And we are, you know, at seafood foods. We're interested in solving that that emotional hurdle too. But our our main goal is to you know. Let the brands solve that. Yeah. You know, the brands are the ones that are out in front. We want to give the brands the tools to make great products. Sure. Um, we, uh, about a year and a half ago, we started our own CPG company, One Hop Kitchen, um, which we did a lot more work in really branding and making it look nice and, and presenting well. Um, and we created that really because we had this this textured insect protein, which is this kind of tofu made out of bugs. Yeah. Um, and we just, we wanted to get it out in a product. The big challenge with it, it had to stay cold. Um, because it is meat, right? It's, right. it's high moisture. It's it's low acid. It, it will expire. Mm -hmm. um, so we looked at kind of what products we could make that well, we could... Hold on. Before you yeah. go on, sorry to interrupt. You're talking about expiring. How does it last compared to other types of protein? So, I mean, it, it depends on what you turn the bug into. So, I mean, like bugs on their own, like I, I wouldn't store dead insects in a fridge i would keep them frozen okay you know, they're kind of like in the same way like you really wouldn't want to keep most raw shellfish or, or seafood yep fresh 
Um, and as far as bugs go, I mean, I'm there's a lot of people that you know tend to analogize them to meat. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a wrong comparison. They're really much more like um, shrimp or krill. That, um, yeah, okay. Which makes a lot more sense. They're invertebrates. Right, yeah. um, but uh, they they should really be kept frozen. Um, keeping them frozen, I mean, you can keep them one to two years. Frozen's really easy. Yeah. Um, when we make it into the textured protein, uh, it gets pasteurized in process, and that gives us three to four weeks of shelf life in the fridge. Oh, wow, okay. So it's good. Um, yeah. We can extend that in a lot of ways. So, I mean, the, the nice thing with this sort of, this, what we call tip, Mm-hmm. Um, is just it 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 works like all other food works, right? It's so like anything. the The shelf life is three to four weeks, but you can extend it with all the ways that you would process normal food. So all you have to do, if you're you know a food manufacturer, is you just pick up where I left off and you do everything you already knew how to do. Right. And that's that's always our real goal here is to sh- is to show like we'll do all the stuff that's really particular to the insect you know, mm-hmm. that that requires specific knowledge about how bugs work. And we'll deliver you a product that works just like food. Right. Um, you know, and that's that's what we want. And that's also, I mean, we really felt it as something I, you know, we, we talk about a lot. It's just this idea of, you know, if I, if I gave you a bag of scorpions and I asked you to make dinner, you'd have no idea where to begin. Right. You know, like aside from all of the questions of where did you get this bag of scorpions and who are you? Um, you know, do you blanch them? Do you have to wash them? Do you cut off the tails? Do you shuck them? Yeah. There, there's so many questions about that preparation. Um, and this, I think, hits back to that, that idea of surimi of if you can instead present somebody with an ingredient that functions like things they're used to, and I can give you this sort of block and I could say, hey, it's ground beef. Yeah. And you know what to do with it because you know how to work with that. You can bridge that gap a lot faster. Sure. On top of that, you don't have that sort of nasty visual of like, hey, this is a bag of scorpions. Right, right. Um, but, uh, but Sheer terror. Exactly. Um, and uh, and so that that's always been really critical. Um, so yeah, you were saying that you, you, you guys are producing your own uh, food-based products? Yeah, so now, so One Hop Kitchen we created as a sort of CPG arm, um, and we really focused on on one line of items, which is pasta sauce. Um, we did it very deliberately, not because we have, you know, Italian heritage, which we do, but mm-hmm. um, our grandmother hated tomatoes. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but really because um, tomato bolognese is one of the two products that you can find in a clear glass jar that contain meat in a grocery store. The other one is pickled sausages or sometimes pickled pig's feet. Interesting. We're still working on the sausages. Um, but, uh, but Bolognese, it, it, because of the way it's manufactured, um, you can do it yourself. You don't need a lot of technology to make it. Yeah. Um, and it, it worked out nicely as well, just because insects aren't technically regulated as meat. Yeah. Um, so we were able to actually make a meat product, um, without having to go through the same regulations that a beef product would have to. So it lets us really hit the market immediately. Yeah. Um, and it gives us a year of shelf life. Without any preservatives, it's just the the acidity and the natural way that you preserve tomato sauce. Wow. Um, so it, it gave us a way to just get a product out on the market and, again, really bridge that use gap of, hey, this is tomato sauce. Yeah. You know how to use it. You've used it 100 times. Um, so we, we launched that about a year and a half ago, and it's it's been really great and picking up and now uh, in stores in the U.S. and well, uh, in Canada. So two questions. Question number one, let me pitch you an idea because mm-hmm. you said you grew up kosher. Mm-hmm. How about a gefilte fish alternative? <laughs> I'm, I am, I'm actually working on it, but I'm, I'm a sort of, I'm a big believer that gefilte fish is really just a fat hot dog made just, of fish. Just slather it in, in horseradish as you do, and yeah. you won't even be able to notice the difference. It could, it could work. But like, uh, on a more serious note, how does, how does like being kosher or, or, uh, uh, being halal play into the whole insect game? Um, so 
on kosher, the answer is pretty easy. Bugs aren't kosher. Um, there is a uh, a small faction uh, within Judaism that will accept a certain kind of locust as kosher, and, okay. and locusts actually start as grasshoppers. Mm-hmm. Um, there is actually an Israeli company uh, that is working on raising that very grasshopper. Whoa. Um, and we've been trying to get our hands on some to start playing around with. But we, the grasshoppers I've, I've been able to get so far are actually wonderful. Um, mm-hmm. Grasshoppers kind of a really beautiful flavor. And if we can get them kosher, great. Um, we've never really gone after the kosher market. It's just too small. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, on the halal side, um, to my knowledge and speaking with some, some colleagues about it, uh, there shouldn't be a problem with crickets. Crickets should be halal, and most would, you know, consider them to be so. Um, mealworms should be halal, but uh, some may consider them haram. Okay. Um, yeah. So there's a, it's kind of on the fence. I guess it's new territory that people haven't really considered, so it's hard to. Uh, yeah. I mean, some of these have, and particularly halal, just because, uh, you know, um, because parts of North Africa and you know, part particularly parts of Africa where they have eaten insects yeah, um, and where there is some Muslim community, um, there may be at least something, you know, in the record books of like, hey, we've, we've, you know, someone with authority has made a decision on this thing. Right. Um, kosher, you know, don't hold your breath. Yeah, yeah. I hear you. Okay, well, I think that uh, now's maybe the part of the show where I say I arrived here hungry <laughs> on purpose but also a little afraid. So maybe this can be one of those one to six times that I need to consume something before I'm not afraid of it anymore. What was it? Let's do it. Yeah, okay. All right, through the magic of editing, we are now (laughs) back, uh, and food is prepared and in front of me. Um, I'm not sure what it is yet, but we will find out, and then um, you will hear me tasted and i'm gonna apologize in advance for the masticating i'll keep the mic away from my mouth at that point but uh here we go what do we got all right so we have um to start with we just have some leftovers if we can have these for dessert but these are just actually some grasshopper peanut caramel clusters okay popcorn we made them as like a a thing a little while ago for uh, a little sports bar themed snack bar so these are Peanuts and cricket jacks. All right, this will be our, my app- my appetizer uh, here. There's, so there's grasshopper in here. Yeah, just whole roasted grasshoppers, clusters of popcorn and, uh, and peanuts and caramel. Okay, hold on, guys. But just try the grasshopper on its own too. The grasshoppers are really lovely. Those are those are chapulinas from Mexico. These guys. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, so I mean. I don't know how to describe it. It's just kind of crunchy and like you don't it doesn't feel like an insect. No. You know? No, it almost to me it's like dried fruit. Yeah. Um I, I get a kind of sweetness out of those. Those those guys are seasoned. Um but they're really lovely and like uh, if you had a, a pile of them with like, you know, a glass of beer. But they like it's not chewy or anything. Like it splits apart in your mouth almost immediately. Um yeah, experience number one, so far so good. And these are whole grasshoppers. Just, yeah, whole roasted. What they do with these guys is they actually roll them to break off the antenna and the legs. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're a little, if you look at the bodies, they're a little more streamlined. And that's just one of the challenges I find with edible bugs. I, I like eating them whole and roasted. But if you want to get the same amount of protein as a steak from a pile of roasted bugs, yeah, get a lot of roasted bugs. Sure. That's not so bad, but you get little bits stuck in your teeth. Right. Like they can be kind of hard. But, but, 
uh, I mean, to not scare anybody away, because I think that's kind of important to this whole thing, is like, it kind of tastes like, uh, the texture is almost like a peanut skin or mm. something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I see that. It's not, uh, I don't know. Like, I, to me, it just doesn't even seem like an insect. If you hadn't yeah. told me, I wouldn't have even, even known. Oh, yeah. No, and if you, if you kind of just, like, even if you look at them, they don't really look like bugs until mm-hmm. you sort of get close up. Um, they have a beautiful color. No, this is so far so good. Great. I'm going to um, save some of these for later. So moving on, mm-hmm. um, we can do the dog. So these are these are some experimental stuff we've been working on. Okay. Um, cricket burger. Okay. And then two kinds. We've got a cricket hot dog and a cricket sausage. Okay. Um, so I'm going to put the mic down for a second. And uh, maybe you can just tell me what I'm biting into here. Sure. I'll give you a little ketchup and mustard. Taste them on their own, but then just put a little like you want. you want that real like. If this is a hot dog, how would I eat it experience? Yeah, absolutely. I will definitely try it by itself, but then you want yeah, I totally agree that you would you would want to taste it in the environment that you would normally be eating the alternative product. All right, here it goes. Okay, so bite one into the cricket burger without ketchup and mustard. It kind of reminds me in taste of like a hot dog. Yeah. Um, full disclosure. Yeah. Uh, I've I'm lazy about flavor, mm-hmm. and these are my experimental batches. So I flavored everything kind of like a hot dog because I had my hot dog seasoning. Oh, interesting. Um, so it's like a thing that you put in there to make it taste like a hot dog. Yeah, I've got I've got my little hot dog seasoning blend that I mix up. Um, the flavor on the crickets is actually really mild. Um, but they do, you know, it's like anything. They can use a little bit of flavor here and there. Um, and I just, especially for the experimental batches, I like to find a flavor that works and just keep it consistent. Oh, yeah, this definitely works. No problem. I mean, the texture is slightly different than that of a hot dog. I would say it's a, a little rougher, but it's still very pleasant, very soft. And um, the fact that you've seasoned it like a a hot dog, when I put the ketchup and mustard on there, it kind of just tastes like a hot dog that I would have at like a baseball game or something. No. Very good. Okay, so what do we got next here? What's so the this next guy? one? So these are, these are all going to taste a little similar. Um, this is just two variations on, again, on a, an actual sausage. This is a real firm sausage. Um, more like think like a, like a real like breakfast sausage that's been really heavily cooked. Um. Mm-hmm. Very thick. Yeah. Really good, though. This one, the uh, hot dog flavor is definitely a little bit milder, but at this point, as you said, they're seasoned all the same. Sorry, my mouth is full. (laughs) I'm trying to judge it based on texture, and it definitely has that, like, breakfast sausage-y thickness. I could see it being used for a bunch of other things, though. Really good. (laughs) Still really good. Um, almost tastes a little finer than, uh, the first five. There's, there's a little crunchiness, not, I don't know if crunchiness is the right word, but you can, there's a little something to it. You're, you're going to get a little bit of that exoskeleton in there. Yeah. Um, the good news about the exoskeleton is it's actually really good for you. Um, so insect exoskeletons contain chitin, um, which, uh, is a prebiotic fiber. Mm -hmm. It'll promote the growth of good bacteria in your gut. Amazing. So far... Both of these things, all three of the things I've tried so far, excuse me, the the popcorn, the patty, and the sausage are things that I would eat, like, 
at any point in time. It's not one of these, like, I'm not struggling to get through it or I'm like, oh, it's like insects. I would definitely, if this was on a shelf and I could buy it, I would buy it. Sweet. Okay. What's the, the last one the is some alternative this is, sauce? This is a little more of just a standard hot dog. Um, we're done with this one. We tried to just get a little more bite in it. So we just dried it out a little bit just to make it a little more like, like a grilled dog. And we added a little bit of the color. Um, just eat with your eyes in a lot of ways too. And I tried to smooth out the texture a little bit in this one too. Yep. Yep. I'm, I'm with you. I mean, it doesn't have the rubberiness of a standard hot dog, but it definitely has the, feels the most hot doggy mm -hmm. of the lot. Maybe my favorite. I'm not sure. I also like this guy, the the patty a lot. All right. Uh, really good. Nice. Really good. I'm uh, I'm already sold. I'm already sold because uh, I'll be honest with you. I was willing to try it. I told you off mic before we got in here that I'm like, you know, I'll eat anything once, no problem. And if I don't like it, that's fine. But I'm not one to get grossed out by things like I love. I've had snake before. I like eel. It's not a problem. But this is something that I could actually see myself returning to on a regular basis. All right. Awesome. Um, so last one we've got, these are the pasta sauces from One Hop Kitchen. So that is our mealworm bolognese. Yeah. And the other one is our cricket bolognese. All right. Um, the neat thing with both of these, so what I really like about these sauces, they have identical formulations. Mm -hmm. um, so what's cool is if you taste one or you taste the other and you're just like, hey, it just tastes like tomato sauce. When you taste them side by side, the only difference between the two of them is the bug. Okay. Um, so it gives you a nice point of comparison to understand, you know, what's the flavor of a cricket? What's the flavor of a mealworm? But actually get it in a context. Right. Um, I find the mealworm is almost a little cheesy. Kind of get this Parmesan cheese note to it. Um, the cricket's a little earthier. It almost brings out a little more garlic, a little more savory. Okay. So I've just had the mealworm. And I feel like I can understand where you say it would be cheesy, but I'll, I'll only know by comparison to this next one, I guess. Hold on. I'm just going to little coffee palate cleanser here. <laughs> Just so I can get the full effect. Okay, yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you on the cheesy bit of the mealworm. Did you get like almost a little more garlic or a little more savoriness? In yeah. Um, a little bit more savoriness, a little bit more like um, a little slight more sour. Like you can taste the, the, the bitterness of the tomato. A bit more on this guy. Mm. Um, yeah, both both good. And out of all of the items that I've consumed so far, I think it's interesting. We started with the one that is whole insect and then slowly made it our way to the one that tastes not at all like insect. Yeah. And uh, if, if I served, I guarantee you, guarantee you right now that if I bought this pasta sauce and served it to somebody, did not say a word, they would have no idea. They'd have no idea. Yeah. And and that's you know, that's what we're all about. But at the same time, I mean, look, you if, if you can't tell the difference, yeah, your body can tell the difference. You know, you're getting you're getting the same amount of protein as you would in a beef product, but you're getting less saturated fat, less cholesterol. And the crickets actually are loaded in B twelve. Um, you get three times the vitamin B twelve in crickets as you would in beef. Whoa. Um, and on top of that, the planet knows the difference. Well, know? I was just about to ask you that because I, there's obviously a sustainability angle to this whole thing. So maybe you can speak to that a little bit more because I know that obviously one of the big things that uh, that people who try to lead a sustainable lifestyle kind of point to is the way that we grow our pork and beef is kind of destroying the world, so <laughs> to speak. So maybe you can talk a little bit about how 
the cricket business is or the insect business is a little bit different as I continue to eat this. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm really glad that we actually only got to sustainability at this point because I, I, for me personally, I always think, you know, taste and everything has to come first and sustainability should be there all the time. doesn't matter what you eat. It should be sustainable. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always like it to be the last part of our conversation because I want to make it clear that while it is probably the most important, it's also the least considerate. Um, it takes an enormous amount of resources to raise meat. Is, is the reality of it. Um, it can be uh, about 2,000 uh, gallons of water to raise a pound of beef. Mm-hmm. Um, you compare that, you know, comparing a pound of beef to a pound of crickets, um, you're talking about 20 times less feed, 200 times fewer emissions, and 2,000 times less water while delivering the same level and the same quality of protein. Um, when you look at animal protein in particular, and, and one of the reasons, you know, plant-based is another great alternative, and, mm-hmm. you know, we're not... We are not at any point, you know, it, it's not an eat insects or we're all, you know, we're all, it's not the only solution to the problems right. we have. Um, but it's one important tool in a big toolbox. Um, and, you know, animal protein offers some really solid benefits over vegetable source protein. Um, it can be more digestible. It tends to be a complete protein um, with all the amino acids um, where plant protein can be incomplete. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, a lot of minerals and vitamins um, can be found in bugs that wouldn't necessarily be found in plants. So, in particular, um, iron and vitamin B12, um, both really important nutrients. You need them both to live and make blood, um, not in that order. Um, but uh, iron and B12 are it, B12 is only in animal products to begin with. Um, crickets are loaded in it; they have three times the B12 of beef. Um, iron is in animal and vegetable products, but one of the big challenges with iron is actually digesting it. Um, so spinach is very high in iron, mm-hmm. but you might only digest 30% of that iron. Sure. Whereas if you ate crickets or liver, um, you'd digest close to 100%. Oh, really? Yeah. So that, oh. that iron digestibility is a really big factor in the quality of, of the nutrition you get. Um, and a really, really huge boon for edible insects um, and how they can play. But for, I mean, for me, the sustainability is important. The biggest thing for me, I think, is just this is exciting. You know, this, this should be, we, we live in a world where we'll all die one day and where we only get to do so many things Mm -hmm. and you only eat three times a day and you only live so many days. You shouldn't, you should do interesting things. You know, you should eat interesting things and you should enjoy variety in your life. Um, insects offer more variety than everything that exists. Sure. Well, cause for, for most people, it's an untapped, you know, Palette, I yeah. guess. Oh yeah, it's 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 a totally new frontier for food. Mm-hmm. Um, on top of that, I mean, when you look at consider how many actual things you might eat. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's estimated we use around three hundred ingredients in global cuisine. It's not a lot, right? Um, and if you actually look at you know go through your pantry and see how many things you eat, it might be less than fifty, right? Um, oh, there's for, me for sure. There's there's twenty five hundred species of insects that have been identified as edible. Yeah. The real number is probably closer to two million, um, you know. Whereas we eat, you know, if you talk about animals, we eat, and you don't include seafood, we eat maybe four, <laughs> right? You know, so I mean, just just the amount of variety that's there and and the enrichment that can come from that variety, I think, is pretty massive. So to be clear, I am continuing to dig in as you explain all of this. Um, <laughs> I, I I'm I'm on board now. Uh, but uh, to go back to sustainability for a second, what is the most sustainable insect? Is it crickets? Um. 
Or probably I, mealworms, but they're all like they're so low on the impact scale yeah. that we're we're shaving pennies, you know, or like you know right. grams of CO two. Yeah. Um, it. Uh, I mean, most insects is just there. When you compare them, especially to the animals that we tend to raise, mm -hmm. um, you and me are warm blooded. It's like we waste a lot of our body. Like it, it's twenty degrees in, in my kitchen right now. Um, yeah. You know, we're we're wasting a lot of our energy right now just keeping our bodies at thirty seven degrees. Sure. Um, crickets, on the other hand, they don't they don't care. They'll they'll live at whatever temperature it is. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so so they're not wasting that energy. Um, which means they can convert their food more efficiently into mass. Right. Um, on top of that, you know, they don't they don't have rumens like a cow would. They don't have that fourth stomach. Right. Um, that tends to produce a lot of fermentation products like methane, yeah. um, which is twenty times more potent a greenhouse gas than than CO two. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and cow farts make up you know fifteen percent of greenhouse gas emissions, or you know, almost fifteen percent come from yeah. cow butts. Right. Um, you know, so you don't have that problem when you raise insects. You you do get emissions. I mean, they're they're going to produce CO two because every breathing thing does. Yeah. Um, but it's it's just so massively less for yeah. the amount of protein you get out. Of the so other more animal. crickets. The hashtag for this episode is cricket farts. <laughs> um, okay, so now the important bit. How does somebody listening to this get their hands on? this stuff that I'm currently consuming. Uh, so you can check us out. Um, our ingredient company, Seafood Foods, does really wholesale supply, but you can always reach out to us. We do uh, you know, weird things all the time and pop-ups and this and that. Um, and we are seafoofoods, cfufoods.com. Um, mm -hmm. We're also on Facebook, CFU Foods, Twitter, Instagram, CFU Foods. Um, and One Hop Kitchen, we are available online in Canada and the U.S., www.onehopkitchen.com. Is uh, it the number one? No, O-N-E. Okay. O-N-E-H-O-P-K-I-T-C-H-E-N. Um, we've got uh, our pasta sauces up there, and you actually didn't try our arabiata, um, which I just don't have on me right now. But what we do that? have a, a, a new spicy version um, oh. that we just launched as well. Um, we're also in uh, in Goodness Me stores uh, and in Love Laws at Maple Leaf Gardens if you're in Toronto. Um, now, and in Mom's Organic Market if you happen to be in the U.S. Now you're speaking my language. I like spicy. All right, man. Well, thanks for uh, dropping some knowledge and filling my stomach. Uh, I hope that this maybe convinces some more people to try insects because, uh, yeah, I mean, it's not at all what I expected. I'm not in the slightest, like, I thought my first experience, I'd be like, eh, I don't know, but no. You finished everything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I am definitely eating every last bit of this, you know, so I suggest that you guys try it out and, uh. Yeah, maybe maybe at some point in the future we'll we'll stock up some insects at one of these uh, buns flea markets or something and have people give it a try because I'm on board, man. I'm on board. You've converted me already. Thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Uh, and thanks again for letting me try out some of the food. Thanks a lot. My pleasure. All right, guys, eat insects. Music this week is going to be some Halloween music. Some classic Halloween music to get you in the Halloween mood. Happy Halloween. See you guys next week.